Good morning, everybody. It's Friday the 10th of February, 2023. It's Iconic CEO, Jamie Icke, and this is The Daily Download. Well, we've made it to the end of another week, and I'm sure everyone's looking forward to the weekend and hopefully a nice rest. I know I am. Still not quite right, so I may sound, still sound a bit nasal, so apologies for that. We've got a few stories to go through this morning to finish up the week. So we're going to start with this one in Scotland, which I'm sure many of you will have read about. A few weeks ago, a prisoner called Isla Bryson, who is a man, a convicted rapist as a man, has now identified as a woman and wanted to be placed into a female prison. And in fact, was placed into a female prison in solitary confinement in a prison in Stirling in Scotland. This caused such uproar, not just because it's a woman, being, sorry, a man being placed in a woman's prison. It's what that man is in that prison for. They're in that prison for raping two women. So the fact that you want to put them into a female prison, which is basically like a sweet shop for a rapist, that's absolutely insane in itself. But the fact that the, the Scottish government thought they could get away with this and there was going to be no public outcry is the bit that I find more astonishing. And the bit that I almost find actually quite, quite a positive because it means they clearly don't have a clue what real people think. And so when you see politicians come out and push certain ideologies and certain philosophies, you know, you can get disenfranchised sometimes because you can think that's the view of the people. Well, with things like this, it just reminds you that what they're saying is not what real people think or real people want. And the outcry, I think, surprised them. I don't think they expected it. They were forced to backtrack and they've now confirmed this morning that trans prisoners in Scotland will be placed from now on in prisons based on their birth sex not the sex that they may identify as. I see that as a massive victory, a massive start, and some really good news to finish the week. It's mad that this conversation even happened in the first place. You, you know, you, the fact that we're talking about this in things like sport, things like bathrooms and prisons is insane in itself. It's a really black and white story as far as I'm concerned. But the fact that it's got into the mainstream the backlash was so big that they've had to turn around and change their policy. It just goes to show the power that we have when we fight as one. And this is something that I think most people can agree on, that this is completely wrong, a really dangerous precedent. And we had to draw a line to the sand very quickly. And that's why the outcry was so big. And that's why the response has come as it is. It has to. They can't ignore a response that big. Now, we've got a couple of stories which we've uh, touched on already in the last few weeks. Or, the, or this week, sorry. Um, this story about the missing lady, Nicola Bulle, here in the UK. Uh, just to recap for anyone that's listening to this that hasn't seen this story or hasn't heard me talk about it previously. Basically, she's gone. She's dropped her kids off at school. She's gone on a dog walk. And then her phone and her dog harness and her dog have been found around half an hour later. And she's not been seen since. And this is actually two weeks now as of today. The police very quickly decided that she must have fallen into the river next to where her phone was found and that she drowned. They brought in specialist diving teams and search teams. They found absolutely no trace of her. There's a lot of anomalies in that theory. Her dog wasn't her dog wasn't wet. You know, dogs would almost certainly dive in. Her dog wasn't found right next to the river. Yet most dog trainers, including um, the search and rescue teams have talked about the fact that when they've had cases like this before, the dog generally stands next to where the owner fell in, whining, crying, or they go in after them. They try and raise the alarm. That didn't happen. And, you know, it got to the point earlier this week, a couple of days ago, where the search and rescue team came out and said, look, she's not here. If she was here, we'd have found her. So the police then decided to extend the search further down the river, which 
the diver team said was probably not the right thing to have done because the river wasn't fast flowing enough in their experience. The chances of her being moved along were very low and they concluded they don't think she fell in the river. Yet the police continued to push that narrative. Yet today, finally today, two weeks in, although they're continuing the search down the river up to places like Morecambe Bay and so on, they are starting to acknowledge that there could be a third party involved here. And there's talks about a red van that was seen in the area that was reported to the police twice during this inquiry and nothing's been done about it. Why this has taken two weeks for them to acknowledge the fact that there could be another explanation other than she's fallen in the river when there's no evidence for it. There's none. It's the obvious explanation, yeah, but there's no evidence for it. Which last time I checked, the police and detectives' jobs is to follow the evidence. They've also now finally admitted that there's a CCTV camera that doesn't work, that leads out of the area that she was last seen. She was actually not seen near where her phone and her dog harness were found. She was last seen the other side of the field, right next to where the CCTV camera isn't working, and right next to a road out of the village. So the idea that for two weeks they've followed one narrative is terrifying, really. And it shows, is this incompetence? Is it, you know, what is it about? What is it? They're now saying, you know, as of today, they're working on a two-hour window between her phone being found and it being reported uh, of where she, you know, what could have happened. So I'm not, I'm not speculating what's happened. I think that would be disrespectful to do so. But I'm definitely saying that there's been massive oversights, I'd say, by the police. There's been a lot of questions that have not been answered. And two weeks in if there's a third party involved and it's a sinister third party is it too late to start asking questions i sincerely hope not all i can think of is you know she's got two children she's got two children who are missing their mum and i sincerely hope from the bottom of my heart that there's some kind of explanation to this and she's found and she's okay and she can be reunited with those kids because all i can think of is how i'd feel in this situation and how my kids would feel in this situation and it would be absolutely heartbreaking and I can't imagine what they must all be going through. So my heart goes out to them and I hope the police step up and actually do their job, which is what they're, they're there to do, which as far as I'm concerned, they haven't done so far. Now, I may sound like a broken record, but because I've talked about this story so often this week and last week. However, this story escalates and moves on every single day, so it's worthy of revisiting. I'm, of course, talking about the story of the Russian war against the West. I won't say the Russian war against Ukraine because it's not. It's now a Russian war against the West. Just today, just this morning in the UK, these are a few of the headlines. Russia's preparing a nuclear missile test for a nuke that could destroy the UK in just six minutes. Ukraine prepare to use UK missiles to fire on Crimea. The UK ammunition would run out in just a few days if we went to war with Russia. They're just three stories from three different papers here in the UK. So this isn't a war between Russia and Ukraine anymore, is it? It's a war between Russia and the West, Russia and NATO. Now, who signed up for this? Who in the West actually wants war with Russia? I've said this almost every day on this show. These leaders have been elected by us, well, not I won't say by me, I've not voted, but when elected by people in this country, that does not give them the free reign to spend public money on funding a proxy war which is going to get us involved in a hot war against one of the biggest nuclear powers in the world. That's not what anyone signed up for. I don't think anyone's manifesto said that. 
Not that Sinek or Truss even had one. But they certainly didn't say that. And they certainly wouldn't have said that. So why are we letting them sleepwalkers into it? And what's really frustrating me is the so-called anti-war, the left, the virtue signalling press, the virtue signalling presenters, and even some people that I thought were quite sensible on this, people like Julia Hartley Brewer that were pretty good on COVID to an extent, have completely fallen hook, line and sinker for this. Where do they think this ends? This only ends with complete victory for Ukraine. Well, that's not going to happen. Get these two in a room, negotiate and sort out a peace deal. We all know that Boris Johnson already massively put a spanner in the works on a peace deal last year. Why? Why is nobody talking about de-escalation? Why is nobody talking about negotiating? Why is nobody talking about peace anymore? It's ridiculous. And it's going to end up in World War III, which is clearly the idea. And the fact that this whole spy balloon stuff over the US involving China isn't a coincidence as well. Because that brings China onto the argument of, you know, the danger and brings them and Russia closer together, which they're, bang, those two v the West, there's your third world war. It's time to stop pretending that they're not about to do that and see through it and stand up and say no. The militaries of these countries need to just disarm. They need to put down the weapons and say, no, we're not going to go and fight for your ideology, for your political game. We're not doing it anymore. That would change everything. Literally change everything. Stop being pawn in pawns in someone else's game. Cannon fodder for these elite. I was reading this morning that the average life expectancy on the front line in Ukraine on both sides is four minutes. Four minutes. What's the point? For what? What are you fighting for? I think I'd speak for most people that we may disagree on the detail of how we'd get there. But most people just want to live a life in peace. They want to live in a world that's safe. They want to put food on the table for their families. They want to enjoy spending time with their children. They want to leave this world in a state that's better than the one that they are in today. So the future for our kids looks better. None of that involves conflict or needs to involve conflict. We need to get these sinister, sinister psychopaths out of these government positions. Because all they're doing is making our lives worse. Even if you don't believe there's a big conspiracy. They're clearly just incompetent then, aren't they? So let's get someone in that can do the job. Final story to, to go through. I should have probably done this at the top because this ties into the trans story from Scotland. Well, it's the same kind of story. So the broadcaster Matt Walsh, who is has a show on Daily the Daily Wire and was the um, maker of the film What is a Woman that did very well recently. Uh, he was in, um, in front of Congress yesterday to talk to uh, a series of Democrats about gender reassignment surgery and mutilation, gender, uh, genital mutilation in America and the idea that this of this bill that wanted to raise the age of which that was allowed from 16 to 18. Now, I, can, I, I don't think 18 is old enough, to be honest. I think in order to literally chop body parts off, you need to be a little bit more worldly, a little bit more wise, and a little bit more, what's the word? You need to have some more life experience than just 18 years, really, because you know, things we all did at 18. I'm 30 now. Things I did at 18, I wouldn't do now. Uh, but nothing I did at 18 has changed my life forever. Nothing I did at 18 was irreversible and I've had to live with for the rest of my life. Whereas 
this is exactly what surgeries like this entail. Now, the Democrats tried to make a, an example of Matt Walsh. Now, whatever you think of him, he's not he's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy and he's very articulate and he argues very, very well. And he went on Tucker Carlson afterwards uh, last night and basically made the point that all you have to do with these people. And, you know, I don't want to make this about politics, but it does seem to be the extreme left that this crazy ideology is coming from. What they, you, all you need to do is just turn it back on them. Make them explain, make them say out loud what their ideologies are. Because when they do that, not, not that they did in this case, he tried, but they refused to answer his questions. They realise they can't say it out loud. Or he was being probed about his lack of medical background. And he was, all he basically said is, look, I don't need a medical background. I can read the literature and I know that mutilating children is not a good idea. Do you think it's a good idea? He asked twice to this Democrat representative and he couldn't answer because he no, it's, it's so obvious. No, of course it's not OK. And that's why they don't like it having turned it back on them. And I feel that's one of the best ways for us to win this argument. And he makes that point in this Tucker Carlson interview. It's a great way for us to win this argument. Just turn these ideologies back on them. Ask them to justify themselves. I'm not going to sit here and justify why I think having a trans man in a women's prison or having biological men compete in women's sport is a bad idea. I'm not going to justify that. You have to justify to me why you think it's a good idea, why you think it's safe, why you think it's fair. Turn it back on these people. Because they can't answer your questions because they're really, really broken ideologies, broken philosophies based on nothing but raw emotion. And they can't answer the questions. It's a great way for us to win this debate. Great way for us to go back at this argument and just highlight that these people are clearly mental in many, many ways. They've clearly got so many issues and they're using these out there, outlandish ideologies to push this onto the world and it's time that we stop accepting it. And I know that those of you listening to this programme will agree with that and are already refusing to accept it. Now we're going to end with a nice quote as always just to fill you with some, hopefully some inspiration, some empowerment to go through the weekend. And this is uh, something that I like to live my life by. This is from Walter Anderson. It's only when we take chances that our life begins to improve. The initial and the most difficult risk that we need to take is to be honest. Now, I take that as a few different ways. Being honest is very important. You have to be honest. You know, you have to be, have to be in integrity. However, I also take it another way, which is that you have to be honest with yourself. And you have to be honest with yourself about the situation that you are in and we are in as a collective. We could sit here now and say that everything's sunshine and rainbows, but that's not true. The fact that we accept that it's not sunshine and rainbows and that we need to do something about it, we're honest about the fact that, you know, the future at the moment looks bleak and we refuse to accept it and that's why we are standing up as we are. That honesty, to admit that, gives you that fire to do something about it. The honesty that your life may not be exactly as you want it to be gives you that fire to get up in the morning, make changes and do something different to make it better. I really believe that honesty in all its different areas is so vital to making any change to your life and therefore to the collective world around us. So that's been it for this week's editions of the Daily Download. I apologise again for only getting three out. I've not been well, as you can probably still tell by my voice. Uh, I'm hoping that a weekend of rest and I'll be back uh, firing, ready to go on Monday morning. 
So have a fantastic weekend, everybody, and I will speak to you on Monday. Take care. Bye for now.